Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me and diametrically opposed to almost everything I say on the show. So we'll get a chance to talk about these important topics. Uh, he's the mayor of Shemokin Dam and he's, uh, let's see, he's the head of the Tsunami Task Force for PEMA. It's a good thing you didn't pick Pandema. <laughs> You'd be in a big situation now. Nothing to do with tsunamis. Okay, well, anyway. All right, earthquake, sorry. <laughs> All right, so that is Joe Lundberg. We appreciate. No, I'm not Joe Lundberg. Oh, Joe, that's twice I've <laughs> called you that. I have to take my forecast and not put it in front of me because I look. I glance. You, know, you at remind that. me of Joe Biden. You're slipping. <laughs> yeah, but I don't touch anybody inappropriately. <laughs> and so let's just uh, move on here. All right. Uh, well, uh, completely appropriate in every way is our fabulous producer Rob Center. We're going to fully introduce the show a little bit later on, but we're glad to say that our first guest of the day and first guest of the week is on the line. I know him to be State Senator Gene Yaw of the 23rd District uh, on a wide range of important committees in Harrisburg, making things happen. And he's probably enjoying being a state senator more than he ever thought he would, because he's really up to stride. So good morning, Senator. Thanks for calling in. Morning, Senator. Good morning. Morning to both of you. Are you enjoying being state senator more than you ever thought you would? (laughs) Uh, the answer is that it, I'll tell you, it is certainly busy, and it's busier than I ever thought. Uh, I mean, there is just no distinction between weekdays, weekends, Saturdays, Sundays, and no distinction as to time. So it's, uh, yes, it's a very, very busy time. Well, after six weeks of being locked down, I think we can identify with your feelings there, Gene. <laughs> Well, you know, I've been fortunate, and I get out a little bit, and uh, but yes, I, I, I mean, you know, one of the problems is there is so many phone calls going into Harrisburg that, that all the lines are shut down, and, and, you know, our office, we have made arrangements that we're still answering the phones, and we're calling people and talking to them, and so kind of what we've ended up doing is we get the brunt of uh, people. They, they try and call Harrisburg, they can't get in, they can't call the PLCB, they can't, you know, call the liquor stores or anything like that. So they call our office, we answer the phone, and I've had uh, staff members crying because people were yelling at them. And, and I, understand, I understand, though, it, it's like people want to, they have something they want to say, and they want to say it to somebody, so... <laughs> We're the recipient. What are you getting most, Gene? Are you getting calls about the liquor control, or are you getting calls about the unemployment compensation hotline, or I mean, are they dominating uh, the calls? Yes. Uh, uh, I mean, there's no question about it. The unemployment compensation hotline, uh, there's the last I saw, the last number, there's about 1.6 million unemployment claims. Uh, people are just so frustrated that, uh, you know, they, they just don't know what to do. Uh, we've tried to help them, and even uh, our, 
you know, supposedly our legislative uh, uh, reference uh, or the the person that we can talk, contact our legislative liaison, we can't even get through to them anymore. It's just, it's a disaster. And the other the other one is the PLCB, and you, I'm sure you've read the articles where people have done anywhere from 80 to 150 phone calls in order to get into the PLCB and uh, uh, yeah, yeah, curbside pickup, it just makes no sense to me whatsoever, but you know, that's not my decision. Uh, Give us uh, sort of an overview of uh, your reaction to this uh, months of uh, stay at home and the near future. Just kind of give us a preamble and then we'll dig into some of the legislative topics. Well, you know, if you look at the numbers, and and I said, and and this is becoming more and more prevalent, Uh, I looked at the latest numbers in Pennsylvania this morning. Uh, I think it's like as of like 6.30, we had something like 1,500 deaths. And I've also done some checking. The average number of deaths from the flu in Pennsylvania annually, every year, is almost 3,000. We... So we're only halfway there in, in, you know, like more and more, uh, I think the uh, numbers in the United States, we have 55,000 deaths. An average, uh, for the flu season in, or in the United States is around 60,000. So, you know, the numbers are starting to indicate this is not a whole lot worse than any other flu season. In the 2017-18, we had 80,000 deaths in the United States from uh, the flu. And that, if you stop and think about it, that was at a time when we had a vaccine. So we had 80,000. So are we going to get to where we were in 2017-18? The numbers don't look like we're going to do it. And, you know, I have a lot of comments about what we I think we went about things the wrong way. We isolated healthy people, and historically, uh, I was thinking about this, and I told somebody about this the other day. Maybe Joe remembers this. Mark, you won't, I don't think. But <laughs> back in the, when, when I was started in grade school way back when, and if you got measles, mumps, or chicken pox, yep. there, was a, there was a county health officer came around and put a sign on your door on the side of your house that your house was quarantined. Yep, I lived through that. I was quarantined when I had measles. I can remember that very well. Yes. In a dark bedroom with the shades pulled. Yes, that's exactly right. But we didn't do that this time. We quarantined all the healthy people. And I I, I don't understand that. I really don't. That's the first time in history that's ever happened. Well, you talk about the the fact that this may not be any worse than the flu or that kind of thing, but the overriding point is that we have been shut down and we're out of circulation. The numbers uh, could have been tremendous if we'd been in circulation. We could have overwhelmed the hospitals, but we shut down. I'm just saying that I don't think that you, you can't say A plus B equals C because uh, just because no, you don't I, have C. I hate to disagree with you, Mark, but that's <laughs> not true. There's There's data out there now. Uh, from other countries that uh, uh, I think Israel had a complete shutdown. Uh, Norway had a partial shutdown, and Sweden had virtually no shutdown. And the numbers coming in, they're almost identical from all those, no matter what you did. It, it, so that's what I say. 
you know, when this started, I don't disagree that there was no there was no track record. Nobody knew and that this was supposedly something very, very new and we had to do all these things. I think that now I'm starting to believe the people that say, okay, let's look at the science. Let's look at the numbers. Well, the numbers just aren't generating where everybody thought that they were going or where they were worried about them going. I mean, I think one part of the evidence is uh, uh, UPMC last week announced they were going to start elective surgeries again because they had UPMC as 5,500 beds in Pennsylvania. Only 2% of them are tied up with, with the COVID-19. So it, what their conclusion was is this, this surge just has not happened and we supposedly shut down all the hospitals and everything so that we could preserve them for this this uh, sudden surge of all these sicknesses, and it's never happened. And what's happened now is the fact that the hospitals are shut down. I'm not sure how some of the hospitals are ever going to survive. They, one of the estimates I saw is we've probably lost somewhere upwards of $2 billion dollars. Uh, that's what this cost the hospitals to have the shutdown of uh, elective surgery and, and other things. And moreover, one of the things that we've heard is that people are afraid to go to the hospitals. That some people are saying there's going to be an uptick in heart problems or, or heart attacks or death by heart attack because people are afraid to go. They've been so conditioned that this virus is so bad that they they have a heart problem and they stay home. I, I mean, it, it, it ramifications are just you know unbelievable. Gene, did the governor overreact? I, I, initially, my guess, my I'd have to say because the we didn't have these numbers out there, I think that initially his con, what he was doing was okay, but I think. You know where he is now. I, you know, my opinion. I think he's trying to find a, a graceful way to get out of this. What, what do you think the differences will be between where we are now and his amber light or caution light, if you will? It doesn't sound to me like there's a whole lot of difference between the two. Yeah, there. Yeah, I, I I agree. And and you know, there's competition between the regions as to who can open and all this. I I mean, it just. Uh, some of the things just make no sense. Uh, uh, you know, we've we've said that from day one. Once once start, people start thinking about it, I give the people in Pennsylvania and, and the United States credit. Look, you tell us to do something, we'll do it. We'll work with it, and we'll work with you to try and do this. But there has to be some logical sense behind what you're doing and what you're telling us to do. And I think that's where we've gotten to now people are starting to think about, well, wait a minute, we're doing this that uh, we we can't uh, go to a mom-and-pop store with two people in it, but yet we can go to the grocery store, we can go to all these different places, and, you know, we, we now have curbside pickup for uh, alcohol, well, why can't we have curbside pickup for clothes or uh, anything? I mean, it just, you, you, you can walk outside but if you're carrying golf clubs, you can't walk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> don't carry those clubs. <laughs> yeah, well, I, 
I'd like to see somebody just walk down the sidewalk carrying golf clubs and see whether that, you know, they get stopped. And, that would attract uh, a little attention. Is there any pending legislation that's still being talked about that might get past the governor? Well, I think that there are a couple of things. Uh, you know, that there's an issue out there, and I'm sure you've heard about this with coroners. Uh, coroners are, are up in arms about the state coroners are up in arms because they supposedly are not getting the proper information on deaths from uh, the Department of Health. Uh, there's some pending legislation actually before the Senate right now uh, to make it mandatory that they report this information. And unfortunately, some of the coroners say, well, it's already mandatory, so it's, it's needed, not needed, but um, we're not sure. We're also looking at legislation about the court system, which, uh, you know, the court system is basically pretty much shut down except for emergency cases. Uh, how to deal with that in the future? Uh, I think there, eventually there will be a, uh, a commission or some kind of a study set up that uh, legislatively to study this whole thing, uh, how it came about, what uh, what's gone on. Uh, it's you know, right now, I, I, I'm not so much worried about the, the legislation that's out there because that's all going to be prospective. Uh, I, I am very, very worried about the recovery of the economy in Pennsylvania and, you know, jobs. Uh, I think statistically, 80% of small businesses fail within the first five years. Well, this is just a, you know an added burden on top of it, and I hear these people calling our office all the time, and I've talked to them or corresponded with them by email, and I, I feel so bad for them. And they said we we can't make it. We're 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 gone under, and all of our employees are gone, and uh, that's that's the tragedy in this whole thing. Well, surely Pennsylvania is going to take a big economic hit and state government from the tax uh, decline across the board. What should the governor and the General Assembly be doing now to help us get back on proper footing financially in the state? Well, I think the first thing we can do is just go back to work, Joe. I, I mean, you know, here's one of the things that, that I've said. I have a couple of uh, manufacturing plants in my district who have government contracts or, or you know, uh, military contracts. So they were essential. They were excused from, from any shutdown. One of the plants, which I'm very, very familiar with, has more than 500 employees. They have not missed a day. Everybody has worked, and they have zero uh, virus cases. So it can be done, and I think that... You know, people are under underestimating what the private sector can do and what Pennsylvanians can do and what they're willing to do. All I hear is, we want to go back to work. We just want to go back to work. And I think that, you know, when you look at what can the legislature do or what can the governor do, let the people go back to work. Briefly, uh, how will we deal with the state's budget deficit? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, uh, what, about a week ago, I guess it was, we passed legislation that, uh, you know, the governor says uh, he's going to work with the legislature as to how to spend the uh, money that we got from the federal government. I think, I forget the exact number, but it's around $5 billion that we received from the 
from the uh, uh, the federal government, and there was some question as to well, who has jurisdiction over spending it? And I think that uh, Governor has agreed that this is going to be a joint decision uh, between the legislature and him. Uh, I don't want it to appear that oh well, there's extra money out there, you know, that we're going to have all these uh, new programs. Uh, that's not the case. Um, it is. You know, supposedly that money will help replace what we've lost in tax revenue. Um, just not sure how it's all going to fit together. We have not had those uh, in detailed discussions yet, not in the Senate. All right, we have time for an additional remark. Uh, maybe you have something you wish to say we didn't ask you about. Anything else to say for our audience? Uh the only thing is that, uh, yeah, I I appreciate the uh, uh, you know the concern and the effect of uh, coronavirus, and it appears to be a, a disease that affects people that have a pre-existing uh, uh, respiratory or diabetes or, or a heart disease, one of those, and I appreciate it that it attacks those people, but. I think that uh, when all is said and done in this, that uh, it's going to be probably a pretty average flu season in Pennsylvania and in the United States. There may be a little bit of an uptick, but, uh, you know, I think that that's what the numbers are going to show. So I don't think that people should be so afraid. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think that the media, not including you, Mark, but the, the media <laughs> has, uh, has really expand this to the point of they've created such a fear that people are afraid to go outside of the house. I mean, I see people driving in their cars alone with the mask on. What good does that do? It does none. I think know, they, so. <laughs> I put my mask on sometimes because it takes me 20 minutes to get it to stop fogging my glasses. <laughs> so I put it on at home in front of the mirror, get the glasses, glue them down. I have a froggy that holds my glasses on now tight. And so that's why if you see me driving down the street, that's why, because it takes 20 minutes out in the parking lot anyway. So anyway, listen, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Any updates, call back anytime. We know you listen occasionally, so we appreciate that. Uh, send us a note. Keep us uh, at the top your Twitter feed. We appreciate yeah. that. And um, uh, stay in touch and bring us updates as necessary. And keep up the good work, Gene. Yeah. Well, thank you and stay healthy. You too, sir. Thank you. Take State care. Senator Gene Yaw uh, on the line. <laughs> <laughs> talking about uh, uh, he, he and many people have been very skeptical of the business shutdown from the very beginning and of course the the, the the idiosyncrasies or the ironies in this and you know being able to buy all the clothing you want to at Walmart but you can't go to Kohl's department store Monroe Marketplace for a single thing uh, you know even if you could somehow do social distancing uh, of course there's been a lot of uh, well, let me ask you a serious uh, question problems here if I can go to Walmart wearing a mask and maintaining social distancing, why can't I go to a Kohl's or why can't well, I go can. to why can't I go to Boscov's? Well, that's the, really the heart of this issue with the governor. You know, I I, I don't share uh, the um, uh, senator's view that this was just another flu, and the reason that it didn't, you know, it just wasn't as bad, and we should have let all the healthy go pe- go people go out. I don't agree with that. But to do a shutdown like this, where uh, you you can't buy plants at some nurseries, but you can 
can go to Lowe's and buy all the plants you want. I mean, it is, it's just terrible. It's like hurting middle America and helping big box stores, which is the last thing you'd want to do. But are you making an argument for the governor of Michigan who, who banned the sale of those things across all platforms? Altogether. No, I, I just think that if, if you can't do it in a more measured approach, you know, the governor could have used state representatives to help assist in this. You know, the governor says we don't have the staff to go from county to county and town to town and look at business after business. No, you don't have to, but you have an army of legislators and their staff and senators and a wide range of other people. I just think the whole thing could have been done differently. But, uh, and and the senator had a very excellent point that, you know, we ended up without even close to coming into any kind of a surge at our hospitals. But that, I, I just think you cannot underemphasize the point that was because of the sh- the lockdown. It wasn't an ancillary uh, tr- piece of trivia. You know, people around here adhered to it. 95% of the people around here observed it, and 95% of the people wear masks to this day when they go someplace they don't, have to. And that th- kept the numbers down. Don't you think there's a correlation between the density of the population and the spread of the virus? Oh, yeah. And, these, uh, in Philadelphia, were, right, in Philadelphia right. and in Pittsburgh and New York, I mean, people are crowded more tightly together, and so there is uh, a greater incidence of the disease in those communities. We're out here. What, what do we have? Total of maybe 33 cases? Look at Sullivan County. They still have a case. And if you look at the map, it's just barely in Sullivan County. It's on one of the peripheral communities. Uh, I forget the name of it. It's up the road from um, uh, Ricketts Glen. And it's just barely in Sullivan. You know, one false step in that case would have been in Wyoming County. Let's take a quick right. break, and we'll, have a, we'll be able to take a call or two before the top of the hour. 1-800-795-9565 on the mark. Sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Sunbury Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC Way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. Uh, we'll have open phones. We'll talk more about the ways to contact us coming up, but we do have a caller on the line. Good morning, Cindy. Thank you so much for calling in today. You are on the mark. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm sure many of my fellow citizens have heard the governor and the mayor of New York City and New York State demanding that the federal government, a.k.a. us, give them billions upon billions of dollars to bail them out. And I'd like to point out something. When they, uh, and they claim that they contribute more to the pie, the federal pie, than they get back. But let's remember, I don't remember seeing the USS Comfort pulled up out here in case we needed uh, beds for patients. And who pays the bill for that ship and all the people and the cleaning of it? We do. We, the American people. Who built, who turned the Java Center into a massive hospital? 
we, the American people, who sent the U.S. military medical people into the hospitals of New York City to help care for patients. We did, the American people. So I personally say, wait a minute now, I think you got a premium of response to your cries for help there, and thousands upon thousands of ventilators, thousands and thousands of them. But let me ask you this, who makes more money, New York or Pennsylvania? Well, it turns out that the median income in New York State is 64800 a year, while in Pennsylvania it's 60000 So they make more money as, an, as individuals than we do here, clearly. And New York has a sales tax policy of 4%, and, which is less than ours by 2%, and they don't tax anything under $110 where if you go buy something over here at one of the big box stores or wherever you spend your money, unless it's on the exempt list, you immediately start getting taxed on it. So you know what I think that New York City and New York State ought to do if they feel pushed for money? I think they ought to raise their taxes. <laughs> well, in our I don't states... think they ought to ask me or my children or my grandchildren to pay that bill. I think they ought to pay the bill. It is their bill. Well, particularly if you're talking about bailing out their terrible pension systems, which are practically destroying several state economies, including New York and Illinois. Well, I'm not even going there. Let's tabulate how much we have poured into New York City. And I don't begrudge them that. They, they screamed and cried for help, and we responded. But don't negate that and turn around now and ask me for even more and pretend, pretend, and this is the part I really resent, like we gave them nothing. <laughs> My God, they got the lion's share of all assistance in this country extraordinary assistance, even active duty military in their hospitals, cleaning their nursing homes. I mean, come on. But in all fairness, they got the lion's share of the disease, too. Well, that's true, but uh, and they got the help. They And who's paying for it? I am. You are. Well, everybody here, everybody in the country paid for that assistance. But that apparently is, you know, dismissed when they turn around and say, okay, now you guys, pay our bills. Pay all these bills. And let's remember that as these businesses are stood up by this PPP program, which is in its second iteration now, those employees get paid like they're working even though they're not. They get their regular paycheck. Well, what happens to your regular paycheck? It gets taxed. It gets federal income taxed. It gets hmm. FICA taxed. It gets state income taxed. It gets local income taxed. I mean, take a look at the, at the stub of your thing. Lawns so they are Jason having Britt, money coming in. We have to get to the news. We'll, we we'll talk to you after the hour, Sydney. Thank you. Bye. This is WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the Mark, I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is across from me. Rob Santos, our fabulous producer. we got a caller standing by and some texts and one email pending. So we will uh, look at, read, talk about, and refer to all of these uh, topics as the show uh, progresses. But we're going to have some news headlines first. Let me give you the proper, let me give you a proper introduction. Uh, uh, on the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please do 
check them out at sunburymotors.com. They are doing online car sales now, and they would just love to do business with you. Our toll-free line is open. Call us 1-800-795-9565. That's 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarket.com or text us at 70236. State Department of Health confirmed yesterday 1,100 new COVID-19 cases in Pennsylvania, but only a few new cases in the Valley. In its daily update Sunday, the State Health Department confirmed over 41,000 positive tests of individuals statewide, 1,550 confirmed deaths. In the Valley, Northumberland County was up 3 to 90 cases. Montour held steady at 47. Snyder County was up 1 to 33 cases, and Union County held the same at 31. In Columbia County, still a hot spot, 269 cases overall. Nine deaths have been reported in Columbia County. Weekend recap from Sarah Lover, who was at the anchor desk on Sunday. Lewisburg Borough officials are extending their special operations mode to mid-May. The borough says the special operations mode will continue until at least Sunday, May 10th, amid the COVID-19 pandemic. This means the borough office and public works buildings will remain closed to the public. The Wolf Field Athletic Complex, Borough Recycling Center, and Brush Pile will also remain closed. And the Sunbury and Mifflinburg state liquor stores are now on the list of hundreds that will be open this week for curbside service. The Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board says nearly 400 more fine wine and good spirits locations are opening for curbside pickup. That includes eight stores in the Valley, Danville, Cole Township, Milton, Sunbury, Mount Carmel, Seals Grove, Lewisburg, and Mifflinburg. That expanded list of stores offering curbside service is available at WKOK.com. And getting the state restarted and doing it in phases. Those are good ideas to Geisinger President and CEO Dr. Jaywan Rue, but his view is that the peak in our region may not happen until late summer. During an update Friday, Dr. Rue said the valley may not see a peak until June, July, or even August. He says regardless of the geography that you're in, you don't go to the peak and then go to zero. He says it gradually comes back down. Dr. Rue says the state's plan to reopen in phases now is the best plan. He says this doesn't flip on like a switch. This is like a dimmer. You can hear more from Dr. Rue and other COVID-19 updates on WKOK and online at WKOK.com. I'm Sarah Lover, News Radio 1070, WKOK. A driver from western Pennsylvania died in a crash in Union County Sunday afternoon. State police at Milton telling us 28-year-old Brianna Kimmel of Oakmont, Allegheny County, died in the accident around 2.30 p.m. She was driving eastbound, crashed into the guardrail, then in front of a truck. Uh, she and the truck vehicle went off the road there, and Brianna Kimmel of Oakmont, PA, died in that crash. A woman who was listed in critical condition after a hit-and-run incident last week in Northumberland County is now in fair condition at Geisinger. 63-year-old Patricia Strobel of Sunbury uh, doing better out of intensive care, according to Geisinger. Official state police are still looking for the hit-and-run driver. State House member Kurt Mosser recently said that this has been a tough time for small business owners, and the Pennsylvania governor does not get that. I'm not one who ever gets critical with the governor. I've, I've had a good working relationship with this governor, but it just is really frustrating to not have transparency, to not tell us 
who's open, who's not open, why they're open, why they're not open. It's just it's frustrating. You made a passionate, impromptu speech that we played on the radio on this uh, program last week. You can link to that at WKOK.com. Two Valley mayors, including one who is within social distance from me, are encouraging everybody to ring every bell in solidarity for those on the front line of the corona outbreak, coronavirus outbreak. Sunbury Mayor Kirk Karlovich and Shemokinde Mayor Joe McGranahan issued proclamations Friday to support the Bells Across Pennsylvania Day, an initiative from the Pennsylvania State Mayors Association of which which Joe is vice president. A vice president. A vice president. Uh, they are asking state residents and churches to ring all bells so Sunday, May 3rd, 7 p.m. The bell ringing is to recognize and honor first responders, health care workers, employees of grocery stores, pharmacies, and other life-sustaining businesses. Those who ring bells that day are asked to do it for three minutes, one minute each for those three categories of first responders and hard workers in this essential world. So, uh, yeah, ring your bell next Sunday, May 3rd, 7 p.m. If you're not at work, if you're not one of those essential workers. And a couple of weeks ago, President Donald Trump was complaining that some news outlets were not carrying his full briefings about the coronavirus. Now he hints he wants no part of them anymore. In a weekend treat, Trump gripes that the briefings are, in his words, not worth the time and effort. Trump started speaking the briefings to men positive trends on the coronavirus and to tout how his administration has handled the crisis. But after verbal clashes with reporters and mounting criticism of his tendency to overhype stats on testing, supplies, and possible cures, President Trump is rethinking whether the briefings are doing him more political harm than good. Well, he certainly that wasn't far from brief news headlines. Well, <laughs> oh yeah, we're done with brief. Yeah, okay, we, you're into. We use all the whole stack. It's a whole <laughs> newscast now. We've added newscasts across the board on all the weekends right. and during the day. Uh, yeah, to keep people up to date about this. Well, that's our job. Well, yeah, we uh, beats working. You know, we got lots of stuff going on here. We have a long, uh, not a long text, but we have a, an interesting text. It said the conspiracy the conspiracy theorists think these shutdowns are a leftist dream, and they're in no hurry to put millions of Americans back to work. They like the idea uh, that citizens are on the dole and businesses are going belly up. Their actions tend to bolster those theories. Why else would Pelosi and the Democrats delay a bill designed to help small businesses? and their employees. The Democrats continue to push pork that has nothing to do with the COVID-19 virus. Why is it that the big box stores are safe to shop in, but small businesses are unsafe? Makes one think about what is the actual goal of the governor. And another one says, time to open up Pennsylvania now. And our friend Mike Bolick says, the only thing that's worse than the slanted anti-Trumpers news outlets are the people who believe the slanted anti-Trumpers news outlets. <laughs> Have a good weekend. Well, the funny thing is there's really only one pro-Trump outlet, and that's Fox. And the funny thing is that the pro-Trumpers believe that, too. But there are far more anti-Trump outlets out there but you than know there what, are objective ones. What's different? We've, we've talked about this, and then the presidential election is kind gotten shoved to the background. Mm -hmm. But I am just fascinated by the lack of coverage over the very specific allegations uh, with apparently more proof than they had against Brett Kavanaugh against Joe Biden. And the Democrats are not calling for any kind of investigation. In fact, Nancy Pelosi endorsed him. Uh, the only person of, of any Democratic note that I've seen who's come out and said it's time to stop this is a former Hillary Clinton staffer right. who called for uh, Biden to step aside. All right. We have a caller on the line. Good morning. You don't want to talk about that either, do you? <laughs> no, I'm just Biden's giving you an guy. example. You're not right. You don't want to talk about it <laughs> no, either. I'm Let's shovel it under. No, I'm just kidding you. Well, I, 
I think there's probably a hundred reasons why it's not getting a lot of coverage. We are in, enjoying a pandemic right now, Joe. I realize you might not uh, be. Uh, it's, your life is not that terribly disrupted. Oh, it is disrupted. Your I pensions just... aren't rolling in anymore. <laughs> you still have an income, though, right? Yes. Okay. Well, then <laughs> that's the kind of disruption I'm talking about. But I mean, uh, I, I think that a lot of coverage and a lot of time is being spent on this, and uh, I also think that uh, let's let's suppose that it is found out to be a hundred percent true that what this woman. Said that is true, which believing her is a very easy thing to do if you hear about the details of her story and that it's a, a horrible sexual assault. Uh, I I just don't think people are that interested in worrying about it right now. I think they want to do this when it, when they're getting close to casting a ballot for either the spring primary election or the fall. I think this will get its full hearing. No, I doubt it. Okay, so I doubt it because I th- I think that because it's Joe Biden and it's a Democrat. I mean, the Democrats are all for investigations when it's a Republican who's being accused. But now that it's a Democrat, you don't hear them saying believe the accusers, believe the survivors. You don't hear that. So you're you're saying that he, Joe Biden is as pathetic as President no. Trump. No, I'm saying that I think he, he deserves the same scrutiny that they gave Brett Kavanaugh. Which, and here, in this which, case, the the accuser's mother is even on record as having called Larry King's show back well, in 93 to talk about it. Now, I haven't followed this super closely, but I have heard more and maybe you ha- you have at least an article in front of you. There's more corroborating evidence for Tara Reid than there is ever was for Christine Blasey Considerably Ford. more. Considerably okay. so more. Because none of Blasey Ford's relatives remembered and, it. And, right. In the Larry King show, that's not nothing. That's something. But I'm just right. amazed that none of my friends on the left who were just adamant about Kavanaugh needed to be investigated, he needed to be punished, he needed to be thrown out. They're not talking about Joe Biden. And the liberal media is ignoring this. Is really a, an, a main point point that you're trying to make. And that the New York Times contacted the Biden campaign about the story and then changed their story to accommodate the Biden campaign's concerns. That's (laughs) one way to word it. That's the actual way that happened. Well, I think think what happened was they corrected the story so that it left the right impression. But you, you of course, have your version of the way you see things. (laughs) You put your Fox funnels on your eyes. Not just Fox. I mean, it's about (laughs) basic fairness. Okay. If it's fair over here, it's fair over there. All right, we got one call coming in. We got one call standing by. We've been talking about the coronavirus, and this show is about to do the same thing it the whole world is doing about Joe Biden's uh, sexual assault allegation. Ignore it. <laughs> Bobby, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Yes, um, uh, good morning, everyone. And I th- once again, I thank WKOK and Sunbury Broadcasting for as Joe said, that's our job, doing what we do. Um, you know, as as I look for what we've been through living here in the Susquehanna Valley over the years, you know, anything from Three Mile Island to this uh, getting through uh, Hurricane Agnes and also the 1975 flood and 2011 flooding, we're used to, uh, I'm going to say, dealing with disasters, dealing with uh, problems and reaching out and helping people out and I want to thank Joe and and Kurt Karlovich for getting together and say let's ring the church bells and I'd like to thank the fire companies which are volunteer around here to uh, you know offer their services since we don't have mass transit here but at least we're helping people around here 
Thank you. All right. Yeah, well said. Thank you so much, Bobby. Before we get to Billy, uh, read the text, because it makes a very important point that hasn't been really talked too much about. All right. You may be right about uh, more important issues, but many prominent news people that are actually interviewing Joe Biden are totally ignoring the issue. That's just wrong. Right. Biden's been interviewed on two major networks, one of which was CNN since this came out. The New York Times, he turned down a request to be interviewed by the New York Times. (laughs) When is a Democrat ever turned out, and of course they didn't make a big deal out of that. <laughs> okay, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Fresh off his trip to York County, Pennsylvania, Billy Allred's on the line. Uh, thank you so much for calling in, Billy. Appreciate the morning, call this morning. Hey, good morning, guys. Yeah, I did have an interesting day on Saturday. I wanted to just detail it for your listener briefly. Um, I headed out about nine o'clock on. Uh, Saturday morning, I had posted on a couple of the reopen PA sites on Facebook that I was looking to spend some of my day on Saturday uh, trying to uh, protest or gain the attention of of our governor. And uh, I first went by the governor's mansion in Harrisburg, and no one was there protesting. And then I drove by the Capitol as well. That was all quiet. Then I came upon about uh, 12 Harrisburg police officers all with their lights flashing in downtown I thought oh my what's going on here there were police officers everywhere there must have been a murder and then as I drove by I looked and they were putting a dead deer into a black garbage bag so that was about the most (laughs) riveting thing that was happening in Harrisburg so I drove on down to uh, to Mount Wolf where Governor Wolf's home is and and uh, I drove by once and then parked and, and got out with my protest sign. On one side it said, uh, end this lockdown. And on the other side it said, every wage is essential. And uh, I thought, well, the governor's home, his cars are there. I'm going to walk up to the door and knock on it and see if I can talk to him. Well. I made it about halfway up the front sidewalk, was about 30 feet from the door, when a plainclothes police officer ran across the street and said, hey, hey, what are you doing, what are you doing? I said, I'm going up to talk to the governor. I'm an elected official from Union County, and I, I want to speak to him about the waiver process. And uh, he said, said you can't do that you're trespassing and I said well I didn't see any signs that said no trespassing and as I understand the law I can walk up to anybody's door if they don't have a trespassing sign posted sign and knock on the door he said well I'm telling you you can't and I said well who are you and he said and then at that point he revealed that he was a police officer and about that time the governor actually came out the front door to see what the commotion was about and I yelled over to him who I was and told him I wanted to speak to him about these lockdown issues. And uh, he said, well, let me get my mask on and I'll talk to you. So uh, he invited me over into the yard. We stood about 12 feet apart, each with our mask on. And I had about seven or eight minutes to speak with him and detailing um, the issues that I've brought up on this program uh, and in my writings as an elected official uh, over the past month or six weeks, uh, mainly about the 
discrepancies in the waiver process, the lack of transparency in the waiver process, and the broad brush approach to rural counties uh, that are less affected. Um, I felt like, you know, we I was very cordial and respectful to him. He was very cordial and respectful to me. Uh, it was a good conversation in that respect. I'm not sure I learned a whole lot uh, other than the fact that he did admit that the rural areas are flattening, even though they sort of predicted that we'd get our surge later. He admitted that they were flattening. He also admitted that he's not 100% sure that these lockdowns have actually accomplished anything, which I thought was pretty flabbergasting. But he believes they have, but he's not sure. Uh, but he's trying to do the best he can, uh, which I I understand and uh, respect. But I think he could be doing better, and that's what I ask him to do. And and I hope that next week when he ponders Union County, he'll remember his pleasant interaction with me on his front yard, and uh, hopefully we'll get our we'll get our our yellow stage reopening. You may start a new trend here, Billy. People going to the governor's house on a Saturday to tell him how they feel. Well, I know I've heard that some others are are uh, going to going to be there later on. But I I know at least for Saturday I was there for a few hours, and after after I spoke with him, I, I stuck around with my sign for a while to see if anyone else would show up, and and no one did. Um, so, you know. I, that's that's sort of the thing. There's there's a lot of people that will go to a protest, but being at, you know actively protesting something on and on, it, it, it's a different beast altogether. So I would just recommend to people that they not give up, that they continue to seek the, the uh, redress of their grievances with our elected officials. And uh, proud to live in a country where that's possible. I'm sure it's not possible in many countries around this world. How much do you want to bet the next Saturday there's a no trespassing sign in front of the governor's house? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it, there have been protests there before. The uh, the Open PA, uh, the redistricting group, I think a couple of year or two ago, protested there uh, in front of his house. And so I knew, you know, that it was possible to get there and, and that I wouldn't be arrested for being there, which I wasn't. Um, and that you know that I had a right to be on a public sidewalk in a in a town in Pennsylvania that's not uh, noticed in some way. So, did you tell him about? Uh, uh, I guess there's a Union County resident who is a uh, owns a bed and breakfast, but they've been misclassified as a a construction business. You talked about that last week. Did you tell the governor that? Yeah, I did. I told him about that that debacle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as an illustration that. You know, there's just there's a, a lot of inconsistencies in this waiver process, and and he's not, you know, his phones are redirected to the Department of Health at this point. Uh, if you email him, you just get canned responses. So that's why I went to Mount Wolf because I think uh, the governor needs to be hearing from people directly, and uh, not just from his handlers. All right. Well, thank you for that. Keep us up to date. Uh, we have another minute before we have to take a break. You were accosted. One of the officers was not as friendly as the rest. Yeah, I don't want to distract from a positive interaction with the governor by really talking too much about that. But 
Yeah, I, I, there were three officers on the scene by the time this was all over, and two of them were very cordial and polite, and the other one decided he wanted to bully me, which I have a recording of that, and I may be filing a complaint with the state police. Okay. But uh, the other, the third officer did did apologize for his actions afterward and assured me I had every right to do what I was doing, that she uh, she respected both the other officers said they respected the way I treated the governor. And uh, so I, I think this guy was just an aberration. He was a Barney Fife type, you know, trying to get me to, trying to push my buttons or and threatening to threatening to arrest me when he had no power to do so. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate the update. Uh, the news department has piqued their curiosity. They're probably going to be in touch, and we appreciate all your help. And the audio of your governor conversation is uh, on your Facebook page, right? Is that where I saw it? Yeah, it's on okay. Facebook. It's on YouTube as well. And did you have your recorder in plain sight so he could see you were recording what you were saying? I did, okay. uh, but whether it was in plain sight or not, because police officers were there and present um, and it was you know public in, it was in the means of public protest I think if you read the uh, the wiretapping law I was within my rights. Uh, that's not where I was headed I, I was just wondering where you held it or where you had it or whatever. Alright thank you so yeah. much Billy keep keep in touch I really appreciate your call in today Right. We'll All right. have to form a caravan to Mount Wolf next week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the governor would like that. Billy, already you can I get a sandwich township. concession? You can do whatever you want. <laughs> All right. You sell peanut butter and jelly. Uh, you, Billy Allred is a Union Township Supervisor. He's also the head of the Union County elected... Uh, township Supervisor? Uh, it's a Union County elected... Uh, officials? Officials organization, okay. right. It's a group of individuals who sought elected office in Union County. I'm sorry, I don't remember that precisely. But, uh, uh, yeah, he's been a real solid activist on that. So we really appreciate that. Of course, he r- runs a business and that has been hurt by this. So, um, you know, I just, I think they all have a good point. It's it's really a shame that we have to wait two more weeks to open up businesses around here or some limited businesses when it's obvious that we've squished this down to zero. I mean, our rate of growth locally is zero. We have an occasional case around here, but the growth is zero. So um, we should be able to, we should be opening businesses yesterday. Some of them, you know, in the right way. As I've said before, there's got to be a safe way to do some of this stuff. We should be focused on that, getting them open, keeping them safe. I saw that, you know, everybody's howling about Georgia. Uh, because of the uh, governor opening up down there. Um, even CNN did a live shot in front of a Waffle House this morning and admitted that oh, the table capacity was one-third of what it was before. So, I mean, they're looking for a way to do it safely. And everybody said, oh, the governor's going to get a spike. People are going to die. But I think what they've done is a very prudent thing. They've looked at how they can make this safe. Another shot of a barber shop with both the barber and the client wearing a mask. So... One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. Let's take a quick break. If you'd like to comment about the shutdown or Joe Biden, we sort of have two cop topics going, and you're welcome to call in. Uh, the um, media is completely ignoring the Joe Biden accusations. Uh, probably because half of it's the pandemic, and half of it's the uh, the uh, liberal slant. They're not interested in talking about something that would hurt their candidate. Maybe it's time to get rid of Joe Biden and get a real Democrat. Well, even in there. my good liberal friends who support Biden. 
Biden, and they were just all for an investigation of Brett Kavanaugh. I'm not hearing anything from them out of investigating Joe Biden. Now they're worried about the pandemic. What? You can't hear the muffling through the mask. Okay. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Call us now. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. You can email us at onthemarkatwkok.com or text us at 70236. Uh, Mike, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in today. Go right ahead. Yeah. Uh, over, like, Thursday, Friday last week when Georgia was, you know, either getting ready or starting to open, at the top and the bottom of the news hours, there was a report coming in about the Republican governor of Georgia opening his state tattoo parlors. Uh, what else was there? Tattoo parlors, uh, fingernail shops, and barber uh, shops, like barber shops, bowling shop. alleys, bowling hair salons. Yeah, yeah. And it, you know, it just was being repeated over and over again. So I have a, a good friend. He he lives in uh, North Carolina. He works in the banking industry, and he's not much for paying attention to the the media and stuff. So I was talking to him on Saturday morning. I said, hey, did you hear about the state of Georgia opening up? And he went right off on the rant. Yeah, what a bunch of idiots down there opening up tattoo parlors, salons, and everything. So in other words, in his mind, there was a picture of a bunch of doofuses, you know, going out to get sick. And and I I thought to myself, why did they do that? Why was that the big thing? When Colorado, the state of Colorado, was essentially on the same trajectory, uh, proposing to do the same things in short order, and guess what? They had a Democrat governor out there. Why wasn't Colorado being made of, you know, essentially in my mind, being made, you know, ridiculed and being made fun of on the news? It's because the media wants people to believe a certain thing, and we pretty much have a monolithic media right now, all sending out the same message. And I think that's very dangerous to our country. Well, it's certainly very unfair. Yeah, what's the danger? I mean, uh, what's going to happen? That's uh, it's a shame. So many people died because the media's bias. Finish that sentence. Well, let, let me before I answer that question. Think of this: Have you ever gone to any sporting events where up on the big TV screen they have a picture of a uh, these three cups and they're moving back and forth, and you have to guess where the ball is? Do you, do you, do you know triple Monty. It's, it's called Triple Monty. The triple Monty. Okay. Well, you know what. Generally speaking, when they say, you know, which one do you vote for, number one, number two, or number three, the people, the crowd knows, okay, because the crowd 
is, is, is a group of people thinking and seeing all together, and the crowd's always right. And I think that's what was happening in our states here, is that people were starting to see on the ground, like here in Columbia County, we've had, what, sometimes it's five, sometimes it's seven, sometimes it's eight. It just depends how they want to classify deaths up here, okay? But nobody I know talked to anybody that was sick or anything like that. The people in the grocery stores, for the most part, stores are open, nobody there gets sick. But what people are seeing with their own eyes is the thing out here isn't really that bad. So there's this movement, and it's not just here, it's across the whole country where people are saying, hey, it's really not that bad. We need to start getting out in the open, and scientists are starting to say, hey, we need fresh air, we need sunlight, we can't be isolated, there's so many bad things about it. So there was this movement. So the next thing you know, the media is pounding people in the face with this uh, caricature of the state of Georgia and the people down there being deepest. Okay, so that that's where my point is. Now, what was your question, Mark? Because I do want to answer that. Uh, <laughs> I forget. I'm stuck on the doofuses with the You ask about action. how many people have died because the media was biased. Oh, okay. Yeah, you say it's dangerous that the media, mainstream media supports the liberals. So what's so dangerous about it? I think it's wonderful. Well, I, I'm, re- I'm reading, I'm reading uh, reports that people with uh, serious illnesses are afraid to go to the emergency rooms because they think they're going to get coronavirus, okay? And they're not getting the treatment. And I'm I'm concerned about the abuse that's occurring behind closed doors because of the stress levels and, you know, possibly unstable to start with homes. The the kids are being abused. The spouses are being abused. And and furthermore, I'm terribly uh, concerned about the future economic impact on the loss of revenues going to state, local, and federal uh, governments because of the fact that there's very little commerce going on for the most part. And how is that going to be resolved? I I mean, it's getting worse and worse because we're being locked up. Now, maybe there's something more to this virus that I don't know about. Maybe it really, 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 really is bad, but from all indications, it's really bad if you're very old, if you're relatively old and you have, you know, heart disease, kidney disease, or, you know, some of these other diseases, or you're young and abused your body uh, for a long time. So the, the point I'm trying to make is, is the cure worse than the disease? And I think we're getting very close to that. Today. Well, you're spot on in terms of people not going to the ER. That's quantifiable, and uh, any ER doc will tell you that, that that has happened, that some people aren't going to the hospital when they should, whereas, you know, maybe in the past when you had any chest pain, uh, you know, you would think to yourself, well, geez, I'm in the right age bracket. Maybe I'm having a heart attack, and you would go. Now people say, well, I don't want to go. I, I'm assuming the emergency room is overwhelmed with COVID patients, and I don't want to be part of that, nor do I want to get COVID-19 from the emergency room, so I'm not gone. Wouldn't you think the hospital people, of all are, the people in the world, would be qualified to make sure that you were safe when you went in there? Well, I would put my faith in true. them. No, no, I'm, I'm not talking about what's real. I'm talking okay. about people's justification for not going to the hospital. Mike is spot on. No, but it's, it That's has to deal happening. with the, the perceptions that the media is feeding, which I think was one of Mike's points. For example, the president has gotten a lot of, a lot of flack over 
people saying that he suggested going home and injecting yourself with Clorox, which is not what the man said at all. And even Dr. Burks pointed out that uh, in a meeting, they'll bring up some scientific stuff, and the president gets it, but then he starts thinking outside the box, asking questions. That's how he learns. Well, that's another topic. So. But it's it's the same thing. The media is saying, oh, he told us. I, I heard them on CNN this morning reported, the president suggested going home and injecting Clorox. He said <laughs> nothing of the kind. Well, if they'd have just ignored it, it would, nobody would even know about it, but they had to go back and dwell on it and bring it back up and put it on Saturday. But in any event, right. um, Joe, go ahead. Joe, you said that he, suggested not, he suggested nothing of the kind. Is that right? He suggested he was talking off the cuff about possibly methods of treatment. Had they been explored? Aside to Dr. Right. Burks. He pointed out that uh, Clorox wipes will kill stuff on surfaces. He asked, is it possible that through injections or something we could develop? I, I think his point was, could we develop something that would work like that? That was his point. And, and that, let me tell you what, what, what I feel about this. The news media says all kinds of crazy stuff that he didn't say. I walked out of Wise Markets in Bloomsburg yesterday afternoon, and I had my Keep America Great hat on, and another gentleman had a Bikers for Trump shirt. And he asked me, hey, I, would, you like, would you like a free T-shirt? And I said, yeah. And all of a sudden, a woman turned and faced us and said, did you guys buy some Lysol to drink? What is wrong with this woman? But, so I, just, I turned and walked away, but the other guy, he confronted her. But she was driving a, a late model Infinity, dressed very well, and she comes off attacking two men in a parking lot, asking them if they were going to kill themselves by drinking Lysol. <laughs> and I'm thinking, where are we at in this country with our monolithic news media? Yeah, good point. Hey, right. thanks, Mike. Thank Appreciate you so call. much. 1-800-795-9565. We've got a call coming in. We'll take a quickie break. We will be right back. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Joe is here. Uh, we are talking about the former Vice President Joe Biden, former senator being accused of sexual assault, and the mainstream media couldn't possibly care less. So we're talking about that. And... Um, what? I was just showing you the order. It was two, one, and three. Oh, I got you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and, of course, we're talking about the coronavirus and the fact that why can't we open up today? <laughs> we should not have to wait two weeks. So whatever we could possibly achieve over the next two weeks, we have done. Open us up. Get us in the yellow light. Or, as Joe would say, the amber light, which is an antiquated reference to the yellow light. Uh, Stan, thank you for waiting. You're on the mark. Good morning. Uh I, you know, I heard that clip where <laughs> Trump was talking about treating, be able to treat people, you know, with the UV light treatments that they're working on trying to get. And they were talking about that, you know, how certain disinfectants will kill the virus on surfaces sooner than other. And his statement about, well, maybe we could just drink disinfectants. Technically, I believe I've seen that, uh, don't they use disinfectants in people all the time? It's called antibiotics, chemo drugs, <laughs> and all sorts of other medicines are all disinfectants. They're trying to get rid of an infection. Well, it was just so, an aside to Dr. Burks. It doesn't even deserve all this conversation, really. Oh, absolutely not. But, you know, the, the, it's the typical, you know, CNNs and MSNBCs of the world trying to just drive another nail in, in, in Trump's so their coffin that they think they're creating. But uh, I think it's hurting them more than it is Trump. Because anybody with common sense, now I know that's that's a rare commodity these days, will know that you can't go to, 
your local box store or wherever and buy a bottle of some sort of disinfectant, no matter what it is, whether it's Pine Sol, Lysol, or Mr. Clean, and drink it and be cured. <laughs> right. Yeah, nothing like a nice glass of Pine Sol on the rocks. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just common sense, but I guess, you know, considering how some of these, you know, the local schools and uh, stuff are teaching the kids, that's kind of uh, pretty pretty rare, seems to me. Yep. I agree. So, yeah, that's all I got to say. As far as Joe Biden, he's guilty, of course. Isn't he? Isn't that what we were told? Anybody that's accused is guilty. Well, I think Correct? he is guilty. They say believe the accusers are the right. survivors. So you have to assume he is guilty. The question right. is, uh, do you think that's a reason he shouldn't be president? Obviously, sexual assault is is not a anything that would bar you from the presidency, or we wouldn't have had... Well, they thought it was for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> it's a crime! Yeah. <laughs> when it occurred, it was. Yeah, I think the statute of limitations is over. Well, but, but to have right. sexual assault so, on your so resume... So then it goes against his goes towards his character, which if you've seen after that all the videos and short clips and blah, blah, blah of how uh, um, Huggy Kissy gets with the women and little kids and stuff, that right there, well, whether you know, the Tara Reid thing the is media, true or not, all media. that stuff, in my opinion... Yeah, he earned the title Relegate Creepy Joe. Nowhere. It wasn't yep. it, Creepy Joe wasn't just a title from Rush Limbaugh or something. He he worked for that. He earned that. So all yeah, right, he thank earned you so every much, bit Stan. of it. All right, thank you <laughs> so Take much, care, Stan. Stan. Yeah, I'm hoping they appoint somebody else. Get the Dems to get somebody else in there. All right, uh, Mike from Bloomsburg on the State Game Lands. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Yeah, hi, good morning. Um I, I moved to the Bloomsburg area uh, in December, early in December, but uh, since the virus hit, I've been spending almost every day out on the uh, several game lands and state forests in, in the area. And, uh, you know, maybe somebody could call in about this. I haven't seen any wildlife, hardly any wildlife, but I have seen a lot of timber harvesting. So I'm just wondering if somebody could tell me, like, where does all that go? How is how is the game commission using the timber harvest? So I, I don't know. I've been trying. I'm doing my own research, but I thought maybe somebody could call in and inform me about that. Maybe you guys. Could well, I know I know the first sentence of this answer. Uh, the reason you don't see wildlife on the game lands is because they're overhunted. So that's the first answer. But they're generally connected to areas where there's less hunting. So if you hunt on the periphery, uh, you might get lucky in that regard. I know the game commission allows some timber harvesting and they keep the money for their general operations and they also allow a lot of natural gas drilling to occur on game lands and that's primarily in the northern tier. Uh, you can go as close as Sullivan County and look at a game land natural gas well there so that's but but the game commission will be more than happy to talk to you about where you know where all this money goes uh, i doubt that they're interested in doing it now because they're i know they're shut down but wildlife conservation officers are out but that's i don't believe the offices are even staffed telephonically you'd have to check that but you could contact them electronically and see what they say or you could call the dallas office and leave a message and then they'll uh, they'll have a Know, game person get back. They can explain all that. But why there's no wildlife? Well, that's the common issue. You know, it's that's the land that's open, so everybody goes there. You need to f- get a, get acquainted with some more people around here and go hunting on some private land, and that's you might have better luck. Well, I'm, I'm not a hunter, but I do enjoy oh, going I gotcha. out okay. and seeing the wildlife. 
I do see wildlife in people's backyards. Right. And it's so, all it's all pushed they out of the game. Figured out it's safe there. I guess. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate the call. I thought wildlife was uh, was on hold for the time being. Well, yeah, they're not they're not allowed to circulate <laughs> until after the pandemic. They have no masks. Uh, we're not allowed to take our last two callers of the day until after these important messages. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565, the number you'll need for tomorrow. We'll first hear from Linda Schlegel-Culver, then we'll have open phones. On the mark brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. It is a family-owned dealership since 1915. This ain't their first pandemic, baby. Uh, they saw, they're on 4th Street in Sunbury and Routes 11 and 15, Hummelsworth. Find out more at sunburymotors.com. They invite you to visit the Quick Lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury. They specialize in all types of service on vehicles, state inspections, nitrogen for tires. They'll pump you up with nitrogen, wash your car, align it, fix the body, and give you top dollar for a trade-in, and all of that being done online. At least the sales are being done online. The quick lane's wide open. So is uh, the truck bay. They would just love to talk to you there. They got some online specialists now. SunburyMotors.com, the place to check it out. You can get a brand new Ford, Hyundai, Kia, or Lincoln to your precise specifications. They got a hundred of them on the lot right now, and they would just love to sell them because uh, they got more coming in their place. So Please go to the Sunbury Motor Company. It's a rare opportunity for you to actually buy a vehicle without ever talking to a salesperson. But uh, Jason, Jeff, Ernie, and Kyle would just love to help you out down there and take good care of you. And that's what they do with the Sunbury Motor Company. SunburyMotors.com. Upper right-hand corner, Joe, please, and then we'll take our call. says, emails in Benghazi didn't deserve constant crying either. Get used to the ridicule Chump is getting. Cry babies. Wah, 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 wah. Tom Wolf, (laughs) eight more years. Signed, Tom. (laughs) Tom won't be in there for eight more years. Tell us about Joe Biden whether he deserves an investigation there, Tom. Tom will be in there for three more years, and that's it. He's done. Stick a fork in. All right, Chris, you get two minutes, and then we got another caller standing by. Go right ahead. Oh, well, the disinfectant is not a, is not an antibacterial, first of all. Okay. And, you know, Trump did say that he was being satirical in addressing the question of reporters, which he obviously wasn't. He was saying silly things off the top of his head, which he shouldn't really be doing. So, there's that. And he's firing, he's removing people from the job who tell the truth, which seems like a bad thing for a president to be doing, too. Who do you remove? Oh, my gosh, where do you start? (laughs) He removes the... Well... Going back to the whole Ukraine thing, there's all sorts of people who told the truth that uh, got got removed. But talking about the coronavirus, 
He uh, removed the woman on uh, February 26th or 8th that uh, said that this was going to be a serious problem and it was going to disrupt the American way of life. And he fired her, or he removed her from her job because of it and ended the CDC's own briefings because of it. And then he uh, did that uh, one guy more recently that has a a suit against him now that he fired recently. He was also just telling the truth, truth about chlora hydroquine or whatever that stuff is that the president wanted to make available for every person to take if they wanted to. And and you know being aspirational isn't an excuse for lying. Okay. Oh, that's the two minutes. Thank you so much, Chris. Sorry to have to curtail this. Call in tomorrow at 9 sharp so we can get to, well, 910 sharp so we can get you on the radio. Audrey, thank you for waiting from Catawissa, PA. You are on the mark. Yes, I, I am very disturbed by all this slamming of the media, left wing, right wing, or, or whatever. Trump, I, I have to look up when the first time Trump put out fake news as a buzzword and you know you come to this virus and supposedly he knew about it and instead of doing a presidential thing like putting out a warning to all the states and coming up with a plan he did rallies that said oh this is no big deal this is the democrats or the fake news way to get at me I mean that's not a precedent that's not taking the responsibility of the office seriously he could have gotten on top of it, but he didn't. He just campaigned in his usual, oh, fake news. And I'm really, really sick of seeing Trump slam the news and not letting us judge the news and trust our news source. And that's what I had to say. Well, we appreciate your comments, but, you know, if you look back, nobody was really calling this a disaster early on, and people people didn't know what it was going to be. I don't, I don't fault the president a whole lot. I don't fault Governor Wolf. I mean, nobody knew where this was going to go for sure. Now we but do. But he was warned. He was warned. He got the reports about it. He heard about it. But instead of looking into it and being responsible, he just went on saying it was left-wing fake news to do ruin his chances of getting reelected. Don't you think the Chinese deserve some criticism for not being forthcoming about the nature of the disease? What's that got to do with Trump? <laughs> well, well it's got everything to do with uh, Trump. It has nothing to do with the president. All right, thank you so much, Audrey. Thank you for the call. Please call thank again. You. Take care, guys. Yep, thanks for listening. She was 100% right across the board, so we appreciate very that. Very nice caller, but she was wrong. <laughs> was it? All right. Joe's a very nice person, too, but he's also wrong. But he'll be back tomorrow to set me straight. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WDK, okay, Sunbury.